three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 406. Welcome in. A uh, little bit different of an episode today. Maybe not. We'll, we'll, you guys can decide that. I am doing an episode. My process for making it today was a little bit different. We'll see if you like it. Uh, maybe you don't even notice a difference, and that would be great. You know, in in theory, nothing changed. You can't even tell it's different. I just did a different process in the way I made it. Uh, we'll see. Let me know. Give me feedback. I love hearing how you guys feel about the show. Also today, uh, I'm wearing different slash new headphones. Uh, shout out to Davis. He sent them in from Indiana. Uh, a, a listener of the show wrote in, uh, I guess, you know, sent in new headphones for me. That's really, really cool. I was not sure. I was like, do I look funny in them? My head's tiny. These are big headphones. Uh, I wore them at the end of last episode, and the overwhelming feedback was, hey, nobody cares. No one, nobody gives a, a crap what my headphones look like. Uh, that's a relief. Uh, I'm also wearing a shirt that Davis sent me. That's the thing. I want to open a P.O. box. I would love it if people sent me Hawaiian shirts. I will wear whatever you send me on the podcast. I'd be like super fun. And this one, man, I think it looks good. The skin tone, like my skin tone and the colors of the shirt like mesh really well. Uh, it's flowery, it's fun, it's comfy, it's like, that's my kind of shirt, I love it. So welcome in, uh, it's Friday, and I want to talk about, let me say this, first of all, I try to not talk about stuff that isn't sports related directly, and uh, I felt pretty, like I thought that John Gruden uh, resigning and why he resigned, I thought that Urban Meyer getting in trouble, I, I thought he was going to get fired actually, Um those were like kind of right at the edge where I'm like, man, this is something I don't need to talk about. But I, that's not true. I felt like I needed to talk about them because it's an NFL coach. Like that's, there's only 32 coaches in the NFL. If something happened to like a star quarterback or a star head coach, I should probably talk about it. But uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you have like Deshaun Watson, who's been in court for months. And I'm like, well, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not an, a lawyer. I don't have anything I can really say about legal cases. And also it's not sports related. And my goal is to make this show uh, kind of an escape from real life. Now, uh, I'm not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers like that. The story going on there, it's kind of crazy that we live in a world where, like, if you look at, hey, what kind of story can I talk about today that feels safe and interesting and entertaining? And it's funny how Aaron Rodgers feels completely unsafe to talk about his vaccine status and his like you know illness. I'm like that that you know that's a a, a landfill and a landmine that just if you talk about that. Half the people in the world are going to hate you. It's like, that's not safe at all. However, it feels less dangerous to talk about an NFL player who killed somebody. And that's weird. Um, but that is genuinely how I feel. Like, I, I think talking about Henry Ruggs is safer than talking about Aaron Rodgers. There's probably going to be less people that are angry and deterred and turn off the show because of that kind of topic. And I do want to talk about it. I, I was like, do I talk about Henry Ruggs or not? I couldn't decide. It, it was hard. Like... So what happened? Henry Ruggs, the Raiders' second-year receiver, got into a car accident uh, the other night, and he was drunk driving. He was I saw like 156 miles an hour. He blew two times the legal limit uh, of blood alcohol levels. He was very drunk, driving way too fast, um, and he hit another car and killed someone. And like, how do you cover that, right? Like, it's. <laughs> If that happens to a normal person, I would never talk about that on this podcast, but it happened to a football player. And 
I don't like talking about that. And normally, normally I probably wouldn't, but I do. I had to share my heart here because I I read this story and was just sad. I think a lot of people were angry, and I saw a lot of talk about drunk driving, and I I was just really really sad. Henry Ruggs is a young kid, and he killed a young woman. Nobody, nobody, like nothing good happened in this story, obviously. And it's it's sad that he threw away his life. Henry Ruggs did. He's, he's going to go to jail. And I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't go to jail. His football career is over. He maybe pulls a Michael Vick and gets out in like two to five years and comes back and plays. I get is that is that a possible arc? I don't know. Like football doesn't really matter here. He killed somebody. He ruined his life and he killed somebody else. And I, I, I just that makes me sad. It makes me sad that a guy wasted his future. He's a millionaire and now he's going to jail, most likely based on the courts in Nevada. And I, I think if you could go back in time and say, hey, Henry, if you get in the car, you're going to ruin your life and someone else's life. You're going to end someone's life and ruin your life. And I, I would think if he knows what he knows now, he wouldn't get in the car. Um, and I had Ryan Leaf on my podcast, geez, like last off season, way, you know, months ago now, um, and we were talking about depression and um suicide and like heavy heavy stuff and i told him like you know when my brother took his own life a couple of years ago i used to you know drink alcohol get in my car and just kind of hope something bad would happen and i'm i'm lucky like nothing bad ever did happen i never got into an accident i never hit anybody um i was just reckless and very depressed and hoping for bad things to happen honestly i was just hoping like i don't know i wasn't gonna hurt myself but maybe if i ran into a building like that i was literally that you know, dark and that dark of a place. And, um, it's crazy to think like that could have been me like that. You know, I, I've, I've driven drunk and that's a horrible, shameful thing that I feel horrible about. Um, and it's just like, I, I understand a lot of people are angry at Henry Ruggs. He killed someone. Like it's terrible. Uh, I, I kind of end up with Derek Carr, Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback shared a message. Um, Basically saying, like, if no one's going to love Henry Ruggs, I will, right? And, I mean, I'd love to see, was does that play out where Derek Carr picks up Henry Ruggs from jail in a couple of years? Like, it, how far does that really go? I don't know. Is that him sending him a text occasion? Like, I don't know what that really means. So what does that look like played out, Derek Carr saying that? Um, and, and certainly it's very weird in our society. Um, we always side with, like, the star. Like, we're like, ah, like, you know, yeah, Alec Baldwin the other day. Uh, on a movie set, shot and killed somebody. It was an accident with the props. I guess I don't. Know, I don't know how that happens, really. But everyone's like, you know, oh, I'm so I feel so bad for Alec Baldwin. And, and sure, but what about the person who died, right? And so I, I don't want to come across like I'm saying, oh, poor Henry Ruggs. What about? You know, I don't. I don't feel bad for Henry Ruggs as much. As I'm. I'm just sad that that happened. It's like, man, as a human, like, what a sad, wasted opportunity. So I, I encourage everyone out there, do not drink and drive. Do not and, and think about your actions before. Um, you know, I, I wish I'd had someone back then who knew what I was doing would say, Hey Zach, what are you doing? Like, stop. And I didn't have anyone in my life at that point who, um, you know, kind of was aware of what was going on. And so uh, if you're out there and I, I've been very, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable sharing that reality of my past, right? That's I'm sweating thinking about it. And I, I don't want to get judged publicly for that, but I, what matters more to me is helping the next person. And I, Man, if you're out there and that's something you struggle with or you're struggling with whatever, just don't don't get in the car. Take an Uber home. Even if money's tight, it's always better to take an Uber home and, you know, maybe lose 30 bucks 
on a on a long Uber drive than to not only do maybe ruin your life and get to you know kill somebody else. That's horrible. Just getting a DUI period is terrible. I mean, it really is. It will cripple you financially. You can't drive for a long time. Um, you're on probation. It's horrible. So I, I just wanted to start the show by saying the Henry Rugg story. I, I, people wanted me to talk about it. So there we go. I've said something about it. Um, it's it's really sad for every angle you look at it. It's just it's sad. I got through his life away. It's sad someone died. Um, and, and the only thing you can learn from this and really to say about it is that, um, man, like, don't drink and drive. Do not do it. Just don't get in the car. If you're, I, I, you have to avoid that decision making process and, or that, that avoid that decision, the process, think about it. And then hopefully the conclusion you come to, and it should be, don't get in that car. And man, um, I mean, the Raiders are five and two and I thought when they lost their head coach, I was like, we'll see if they can bounce back from that. We'll see if they can recover. I don't think that, you know, Losing your head coach and then having one of your teammates kill someone, go to jail. I mean, you can't. I don't. I don't think the Raiders recover from that. And so, um, from the football side, it's terrible. From the human side, it's terrible. I really feel for Derek Carr. Derek Carr lost his head coach. Uh, he sent a bunch of offensive emails, and then he had one of his teammates uh, hit someone with a car and uh, kill them and get a DUI. And so, I, I, as a leader of the Raiders, I, I don't know how Derek Carr is feeling, but. His job is certainly um, very, very difficult from here on out. Okay, uh, so I, there you go. I said something about it. Um, let's now talk about Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is a, well, currently, I mean, as of, as of right now, is a receiver for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think it's going to last much longer. Um, kind of, you know, the, the storyline is, What's going on? Because he's been excused from practice a couple times this week, hasn't practiced, and hasn't, you know, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback of the Browns, said, like, I don't even need an apology. I'd just love to have a conversation. Like, what's going on here? And his dad released a video, Odo Beckham Jr., his dad. So Odo Beckham Sr., O-B-S, Odo Beckham Sr. It's hard to, the junior part is so ingrained in his name, I can't remove it. It's really hard to say that. Uh, His dad released a video basically um, highlighting all the times that OBJ didn't get the ball and calling out the Browns quarterback. And it's kind of weird because, like, a lot of the stuff, it's like, well, that's just a regular, like, he's not really open. I mean, I, I don't know. So I just felt like a little bit of framing things to make him look bad. And then some of it was he legitimately was open and Baker didn't see him, and I don't know what that is. And some people say it's nefarious. I, I can't, I, I don't understand. Like, everyone, a lot of people, some people believe that Baker truly doesn't want to throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. And I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Even if Baker hates OBJ, it's still the right thing for him to throw the ball to OBJ because guess what? Uh, If Baker wants to do well and get a new contract, he throws the ball to the open receiver regardless of whether he likes him or not. I I think he does like Odell Beckham Jr. But let's say he hates him. It would be unbelievably stupid if Baker truly did see Odell Beckham Jr. open and not throw him the ball because he wants to make money. He wants a new contract. So I don't believe at all that Baker Mayfield hates Odell Beckham Jr. and isn't trying to get him the ball. What I think is really weird, though, is that it seems like the Browns just did not build their offense and scheme around Odell Beckham Jr. Like they didn't find a way to get him the ball. And 
they threw the ball to him a couple times in key moments. He often did not deliver and wouldn't catch the ball. And so I think that further broke some of the trust. But, man, I I expected Cleveland to feature Odell a lot more and build, you know, design plays to take advantage of his skill set. They haven't done that for whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But they've treated him like just another guy and haven't treated him like a superstar receiver. Like when you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have – um, I'm trying to think of you know, Justin Jefferson. When you have a really great receiver in the NFL, you, you build your offense to highlight their skill sets and call plays to target them and get them the ball. And for whatever reason, that hasn't happened with Odell in Cleveland. And I think that's part of why he wants out. Now, uh, there's a report Adam Schefter said this morning, Friday morning, that the Browns are restructuring Odell's contract to change his base salary to a signing bonus. Uh, and then they're going to release him. Now, my question is, does restructuring the contract make it easier for teams to claim him off of waivers? Because originally when the report was that, hey, Baker wants out, they're going to release him. I was like, well, he's probably not going to get picked up by another team. Because what happens is basically every other team, all other 31 NFL teams have a shot to sign him with a current contract he has. And then if that doesn't work, then he gets to be a, a re- true free agent and pick wherever he wants to go. So like, Let's say Carolina said, hey, we like him. We like his contract. We'll take him now. And they, you know, they pick him up as a waiver player. In case you don't know how waivers work, that's how it works. If none of the other 31 teams take his contract the way it is now, and he clears waivers, meaning no one takes him, then he's a true free agent, can go wherever he wants. And then the question is, where will he go? Like, I'm thinking, is he going to go to LA with the Rams? Will he take less money for a year to go win a Super Bowl somewhere? Does he want a ton of money? Like, what does Odell Beckham Jr. actually want as a player? That's very interesting to me. I would assume he wants to play with a great quarterback. I, I hate to say it. My, my immediate thought was like, is he going to go to Tampa? Like, well, may, maybe. That'd be interesting. And uh, so Tampa, the Rams, Arizona. Like, will he go somewhere where a team is a top contender and say, maybe Justin Herbert, he goes to L.A. with the Chargers. Um Maybe he wants to play with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And then also, by the way, you're in the same division as Cleveland. That would be interesting. I don't know where. Where does OBJ want to go? What does he want to do? I have no idea. Uh, it's certainly going to be very, very interesting to see what happens to him. When he gets released, does he clear waivers? If he does and can really choose wherever he wants to go, we will learn what things matter to o- OBJ. Like, what what are the priorities to him? Is it getting paid? Is it winning? Is it playing with a good quarterback? And then also, like, how good is he? I mean, honestly, I, I always thought it was weird the way that the Browns used him. And I'm like, well, is, is Baker uh, – sorry, is OBJ not very good? Why are they not creating plays designed to run his skill set? I mean, clearly Kevin Stefanski is a good offensive coordinator. And, and the head coach of the Browns is a great play caller, you know, designer of plays and got good scheme. And so I can't imagine a world where – you know, Kevin Stefanski didn't recognize the talent Baker has or OBJ has, and does, I keep saying Baker. I mean, I mean Odell. I can't imagine a world where Kevin Stefanski wouldn't see the positives that Odell brings to the table and call plays specifically for that. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, um, I, but I, I just I feel like there's so many times where it's like they're they're just not they're not building an offense around Odell, and that's weird to me. And is that because he's not very good? And there are also times that were like fourth down, third down, they'd target Odell and he wouldn't make a catch. He wouldn't make a play. 
And so I would think he's a great player who didn't fit well in Cleveland. But, I mean, what if he goes somewhere else and isn't good again? I, that would be crazy to me, too. So I, I have no idea. what I don't know what to expect from Odell either if he does go to a new team. And I guess he will go to a new team. But I, I don't. when he does go to a new team, I don't know what to expect from that. And that'll be really interesting to see moving forward. So, uh, again, does he clear waivers? Where does he go? How good is he? And then I'd love to find out someday. What happened? Like, really, like, what happened? Why did he want out of Cleveland? Did he want the ball more? Did he hate Baker? Did he hate losing? And the question has to be asked. I mean, when he left New York with the Giants, the, man, the narrative about Odell was that he's kind of a diva. He kind of hard to work with. He's, he's, you know, really all over the place emotionally. Did he just kind of build, you know, kind of fall into that narrative again? Because for like his whole time in Cleveland, I feel like he's been under the radar, been quiet, kept his head down. Like kind of, he kind of shed himself of that narrative. Oh, but then here we are again. He's kind of forcing his way out of Cleveland because he's unhappy. I'm like, huh. I, and now I have no, no idea what to make of, uh, of Odell. And it's also weird his dad released a video. I don't know. Did the dad release a video because he wants his son to do well and he is trying to look out for his son? Or did Odell kind of is he was he sharing Odell's thoughts and really kind of telling the world how Odell felt? I would think so because I talk to my dad every day and I would think that um, you know if my dad was putting out messages. It'd be because about me. It'd be because I told him, "Hey, I, I'm getting screwed over here, and I want blah 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 to happen." Right. So I mean, I, I would. I mean, if my dad put out a video of me like that undermining my organization i would be furious by the way like, i'd be like that's inappropriate so i i really wonder I, I i all i have from obj right now are questions and i'm really curious to see how they get answered is he good the post-mortem on this is going to be incredible like someday someday whether it's now or five years from now we're going to hear what happened and that's the thing i can't wait for is hearing odell talk publicly somewhere someday about what went down in Cleveland and why did he suddenly take a shift and take a turn and one out. That's all I want to know from OBJ. What happened? Why did you suddenly decide I'm done? I want out. I'm not coming to practice. I'm not doing this. Get me out of here. What happened with OBJ in Cleveland? Okay. Uh, let's talk about Thursday night football. The Jets at the Colts. Uh, the Colts beat the Jets 45-30. to 30. Mike White uh, had a solid start. Mike White is the guy who, last weekend against the Bengals, came off the bench, the backup quarterback for the Jets, started his first ever NFL game, and wound up in the Hall of Fame. Had 37 completions for 405 yards last week. And you're like, uh, on Sunday, I mean, literally like four days ago, you're like, oh my gosh, who is this kid? Like, what? Well, I mean, he had a performance that, the kind of performance I've been waiting for the Jets starting quarterback, Zach Wilson, to have all year. It was incredible. And so in this game, his second ever NFL start, Mike White had a great start with 7 for 11, 95 yards, one touchdown. And on his final throw of the game, he throws all the end zone. It's a touchdown. He gets hit. His arm gets hit. And he gets hurt. And he can't, looks like he couldn't grip a football, couldn't really throw it. He was trying to throw a practice throw on the sideline, literally threw the ball in the dirt. And you're like, oh, no. And I just, I want to say this first. I feel, <laughs> I feel so bad for Jets fans. Like, 
you guys just cannot have nice things. You, you poor people. I mean, you were so excited. You finally had a, a cool thing to be excited about this year. And it's not like Mike White. It'd be one thing if Mike White came out this week and was like terrible. And you're like, well, okay, he was fool's gold, a one-hit wonder, whatever. But that's not really what happened. Mike White came out, played very well for, you know, the first drive, two drives and had a touchdown and and then leaves. Kind of left on top, by the way. Very weird. So if you're a Jets fan, I have no idea how you feel. I, I can't imagine you feel good. And uh, that's crazy. That's just very, very bizarre that uh, I, I like I don't I don't know what to feel moving forward. Like, does he get another start? Like if Zach Wilson's healthy, did he do enough to supplant him? I don't think so. It's just a what a weird way for potentially this Mike White storyline to end with the New York Jets. Now, this game was not close. It wasn't really it was kind of fun to watch. There was a lot of scoring. Most of it was the Colts. The Colts were up forty two to ten in the second half. Uh Carson Wentz, the Colts quarterback, was fantastic. He was twenty two for thirty passing. 272 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And he kind of really is finally figuring out, hey, Michael Pittman, our star receiver. And that, not, I think he's an emerging star. It's probably a better way to put it. Mike, Michael Pittman's not a star receiver yet. He's emerging as a really top-notch receiver, though, in the NFL. And I, I think Carson's finally figuring out, I can just throw the ball up to this guy. And we saw that. He, he's kind of figuring out, you know, five games in a row now. That's not true. He had one game without a touchdown, then a touchdown in two games. In the last five games, he has five touchdowns. Michael Pittman does. So Carson's starting to realize, oh, I know how this guy works. I know how to throw them the ball. I know our timing's better. Our chemistry's better. He's learned I can really put the ball up, and Michael Pittman will go up for jump balls and pull it down. He's fearless in that way. And so things are finally really clicking on offense for Indy. It's really fun to watch. Uh, They do have hard knocks later this year, so... The Colts are now um, four and five. They are trying to save their year. It's going to be very interesting. Hard Knocks is going to follow them for the second half of the year as they try to make a playoff push, and that's going to be like really, really interesting with them. Man, they're not they're not in the playoff hunt yet, but if they keep winning, or if they keep winning and Tennessee falls off a cliff because they lost Derrick Henry, you're going to see a really fun finish either way with the Colts, and so. Whether it's for a wild card spot or maybe it's winning the AFC South, I don't know. But I have no doubt that the Colts are going to be a team with a really fun, interesting finish at the end of the year here. Now, uh, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, by the way, had 19 carries for 172 yards, uh, two touchdowns. He, uh, the Colts ran the ball 30 times. He also threw the ball 30 times. It's very balanced. It's really interesting. And Jonathan Taylor is a guy, I, I always say, like, you shouldn't draft a running back in the first round. Jonathan Taylor was not a first-round pick. He dominated Wisconsin, was fantastic in the Big Ten, and he's just doing it again in the NFL. Like He's just picking up where he left off uh, two years ago, got drafted. He was great last year. He was great this year. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is a fantastic running back, one of the best in the NFL. And uh, I also, the Colts' offensive line, man, they there were holes that were so big. I mean, it wouldn't matter how good Jonathan Taylor was. Some of the, the opportunities he had to run through, the holes he had to run through were massive. Like any running back in the league, could have ran for at least eight yards a lot of the time because it's just, I mean, the Colts' offensive line was dominating against the Jets. Um, now, the other interesting storyline from this game is that the Jets' backup backup quarterback came in the game. So Mike White hurt his hand, and then Josh Johnson came in. And Josh Johnson played pretty well. 
Uh, the Jets put up 23 points on him at quarterback. And I just kind of wonder, are the Jets going to keep four quarterbacks on their roster? Because they have Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Josh Johnson. And I just, you would think Josh Johnson's the first one to go because Mike White had that great performance and Joe Flacco, they traded for him. Zach Wilson's their you know, number two overall pick. But do you cut Josh Johnson after a performance like that where you played really well, put up a lot of points, and kind of rallied your team a little bit? I don't know. Really interesting, like, brutal the NFL. Like, Josh Johnson could play very, very well and then literally lose his job tomorrow. So uh, we'll see if that happens, but this is an interesting storyline there. What will the Jets do with their quarterback room? Okay, um, <laughs> here's a fun one. In 2018, I made a video called Do Not Draft Mike White. And I, I, I rewatched that video earlier today, and kind of the whole point I was making was that he didn't handle getting hit very well in college. Like, he wasn't stepping into throws, and I don't know. Like I, I don't really remember evaluating him. It, it's kind of fun to look back, I guess. Like, was I wrong three years ago? You know, three years ago, I make a video, don't draft him. And then, you know, in 2018, he... <laughs> has a really great day you know, on Sunday and plays fantastic. Has another day on Thursday where he plays really well, gets hurt. We don't really know. Looks like he's a pretty good quarterback. And I think what's interesting about this, I, I went back and watched that video, and I just I want to let everyone know, for a multitude of reasons, this is not a video I would make today. Not just because I, I think I might have been wrong, but also it's not really, what do I gain from making a video about a guy like Mike White from Western Kentucky who is a fifth-round pick? And I learned my lesson from Anthony Gordon, the Washington State quarterback. When I was, uh, when he was entering the NFL draft, there was a lot of fans on Twitter and in my comments, it was kind of sharing a lot of buzz and going like, "Ooh, Anthony Gordon's a franchise quarterback," and I'm like, "What? No, he's not." Like I, I had inside information. I went to Washington State. I knew a lot of people who knew him. And what I learned from that situation, I, I said, "He's not a franchise quarterback." Like obviously. And uh, Anthony Gordon <laughs> didn't – I don't even think he's in the NFL anymore. Like, literally, he might be on the practice squad in Kansas City. That's it. But uh, he is not a franchise quarterback. And I, I was right about that. And me being right didn't matter. There's no one back – there's no one from back then that's like, oh, wow, Zach, brownie points. Like, you got it right about Anthony Gordon. Nobody cares when you get it right. The only thing people care about is when you get it wrong. And they love to point out like, hey, three years ago, you were an idiot. And uh, unless a guy is a first-round pick, I've learned it's not worth it. Because why would I make a video saying a guy's not going to work out? when It's just kind of a roll of the dice. You never know when a guy like Mike White's going to, three years later, on another team. Because he was drafted by the Cowboys, by the way. Got cut in 2019. Now, three years later, has a good game on Sunday. Like, how could I predict that? You have no idea. Also, like to make a video like that with a, a quarterback who's not a first round pick. If, if a quarterback's going to be a first round pick, and I don't believe in him, I should talk. I should say that because that's a first round pick, fair game. Everyone's going to talk about that. Not everybody's going to talk about a guy who's like a fifth round pick. And unless I love the guy, I'm not going to say it because it's first of all, it's it, what if I'm wrong and he has a great moment and that's all I get remembered for is oh you were wrong about that. No one's going to remember if I'm right. But also, it felt kind of mean-spirited. I watched this video, and I'm like, I literally thought to myself, like, what if Mike White's mom saw this video? And she was tell her, like, telling her husband, like, at night, you know, 
man, people on the internet are so mean to my son. And I, I'm one of those people. So I, I, I want to be clear. Like I would never today, if I was, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't, if I was, if me at 24 years old, Zach went back in time three years and was like, Hey Zach, don't make the video about Michael. I wouldn't make that video. I'd say like, ah, I'm good. I, I know I've learned like, Hey, there's nothing to gain there by poo-pooing a guy who no one cares about. All you're doing is potentially hurting yourself because if you are wrong, people are going to remember. And also, it's just kind of mean-spirited. So I want to be clear. I wouldn't make that video today uh, for all those reasons I said. Um, I also – I want to give Mike White credit, man. Like I, I've, yeah, I watched him on last Sunday. I got on, on Sunday five days ago. I watched him on Thursday night. He's accurate. He makes good decisions. He – like he reads defenses really, really well. I, I watched a video of him at the, the – uh, the senior bowl breaking down coverages. And he's like, just bang, bang, bang. Like he knows his stuff. And clearly three years in the NFL, he's really had a good time learning coverages and mastering every look at events can give him. And he knows the playbook very, very well. He also throws a beautiful ball. Like I think watching Mike White throw the ball kind of reminds me of Jared Goff, who Jared Goff makes mistakes, plays for the lions now, but he throws a beautiful ball. Like that's, that's undeniable. And Mike White really, has a similar throwing motion and throws an equally beautiful football where you're like, ooh, like watching his motion, watching him release the ball right off the final finger, you're like, hmm, that's a great throw. So I I don't know. I, I, I lo- went back and was like, what did I say about Mike White? And that's what I said. I feel a little bit kind of bad, but like you can't can't change history. Like I leave that stuff up because I want people to see how far I've come. But um Yep. Three years ago I made a video saying don't draft Mike White. Was I wrong? I don't even think I was that wrong because the Cowboys drafted him and then they cut him. So like that kind of already proved my point, but you can't predict a guy's going to have a great game three years later. So there you go. Okay. uh, Let's talk about New Orleans. Saints receiver Michael Thomas is out for the year. Has an ankle injury. It's been something that he hasn't played all year. He started the year on the pup list. And then his return kept getting pushed back farther and farther and farther. Like, oh, maybe week seven. Oh, maybe week 10. And then it's just not. Now they've ruled him out for the rest of the year. And Michael Thomas chose to get surgery later in the summer. The Saints were not happy about that. And really the only question I have about Michael Thomas right now, does he not want to be in New Orleans? Is he like, hey, Drew Brees isn't playing anymore. That's my quarterback. That's why I was here. Now I'm out. He's got making a lot of money. Got a big contract. Uh, my friends who are Saints fans are like, yeah, we, we think he doesn't want to be here anymore. And that's interesting to me. I'm like, huh, I wonder what happened. Why does Michael Thomas want out of New Orleans? It seems like he doesn't want to play. He's just like, I'm, I'm done. Maybe, who am I to suggest that? Maybe he's actually hurt. He could be way more hurt than I am aware of. But it certainly doesn't seem crazy to think that Michael Thomas, based on what we've seen, just doesn't want to be there in New Orleans. So keep your eye on that. I, uh... We'll see what happens with them this offseason. But it could be that Michael Thomas has played his final game in New Orleans. Okay, uh, let's talk about college football. I've learned that's my nervous tick. I go, okay, ah, and then I like pause, and then a transition. We have reached college football week 10. It's not a great week. Uh, Georgia plays, like I think, Missouri, who's 4-4, four and four, something like that. Don't quote me on that. They're playing, I think, Missouri, and I think Missouri's 4-4. Four four. Either way, whoever Georgia's playing this week, the number one team in the country, I'm like, nah, I don't really care. That's not very moving to me. 
But there are five games I'm really, really interested in this week with college football. Number one is this. It's number nine, Wake Forest, who is 8-0, by the way. Undefeated Wake Forest, the only undefeated team and the top team in the ACC, playing on the road at North Carolina. And uh, this is the first of a a little bit of a gauntlet for Wake Forest. Wake Forest plays at uh, North Carolina, then they play NC State, then they play at Clemson, then they play at Boston College. So if Wake Forest wants to go undefeated 12-0 and then potentially win the ACC conference title game and go 13-0, they got a tough road ahead for... I think, challenging games in a row. And if Wake Forest is legit, they win all of them, but it'll be really interesting to see, is Wake Forest a pretender? Or are they actually, I mean, they've been dominating bad opponents so far this year. Are they actually good? Or will they falter when they play a team that's solid? Like, North Carolina's 4-4. Four four. They're not a great football team, but North Carolina's not a pushover either. They just took Notre Dame to, like, they played three great quarters against Notre Dame, almost beat Notre Dame last week. So, um Wake Forest could be in trouble this weekend. Keep your eye on that. They're undefeated and may not be after this weekend. Game number two is Liberty at number 16, Ole Miss. First of all, it's Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback, playing against an SEC defense. It's massive. This is a guy who's probably the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Malik Willis is the most talented quarterback in the upcoming draft class. He's a Josh Allen. He's a Justin Herbert. He's a guy who's physically just different and can do stuff that Nobody else in the upcoming draft class can do other than him. The other kind of secondary storyline here. So the scouts are going to be out like crazy at this game. It's going to be kind of like when Josh Allen at Wyoming played against Oregon. There's going to be so many NFL scouts in attendance to see Malik Willis against a great defense. Then you also, by the way, have Hugh Freeze, who is the Liberty head coach. And it's his return to Ole Miss because he was once Ole Miss head coach and he left after scandal and NCAA violations. And so not only is it Malik Willis against Ole Miss, it's also Hugh Freeze against Ole Miss, the former head coach and his kind of opportunity. I don't know what you make of it. I think the fans will care because they will probably hate Hugh Freeze. So um, it will be interesting to see what happened. I don't, I don't expect Liberty to win, but I do think Liberty has a shot to score some points and be interesting and, I think it's a really good opportunity to kind of gauge the physical ability of Malik Willis playing against higher level of competition, you know, better athletes at Ole Miss. So uh, Malik Willis is a storyline here. You have to watch. How does Malik Willis play on the road at Ole Miss? Uh, Number 13, Auburn plays at number 14, Texas A&M. Number one, they're obviously really, they're ranked, you know, right behind each other. And man, Auburn has given us so many, Number 13, Auburn, has given us so many interesting games all year. And I think this could be another one. Texas A&M beat Alabama earlier this year. And I think I don't really care what kind of person you are. If you like football, I believe number 13, Auburn, at number 14, Texas A&M, is going to be fun, interesting, gritty, exciting, fun football. And that is what I live for, is watching fun, exciting football games. And I think that's what we're going to see this weekend in college football especially with Auburn. I, I really like Bo Nix, Auburn's quarterback. I think they're going to be really, really fun to watch. Okay, game number four, LSU at number two, Alabama. Uh, Bama's going to win. I would be shocked if Alabama didn't win at home, at Tuscaloosa. Um, but I, I still think it's interesting. Anytime LSU plays Alabama, it's always fun. Even if Alabama wins by 20 points, I'm still going to watch a little bit of that game regardless. It's going to be on my radar 
And uh, I really like Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback. And uh, it's his first year ever starting in college football. I, I just think that um, I think Alabama wins, but it'll be fun. I just I always think that LSU at Auburn. Uh, I sorry, Alabama. I don't even know why I said Auburn. LSU, Alabama. It's always fun. It's always interesting. And even if Alabama wins by twenty points, which I think they probably will, I think it'll be close for a half, or there'll be some something interesting will happen, like it always does between these two teams. Uh, game number five, the final game you should keep on your radar that could be interesting this weekend is Boise State at number 23, Fresno State. Fresno State is 7-2, and two, and the thing to watch here is Jay Kaner, the Fresno State quarterback. He's a guy with NFL potential. He's fun to watch. He's a quarterback who had to transfer out of Washington to get on the field, and uh, keep your eye on the Fresno State quarterback this weekend hosting Boise State. It should be fun. I really like this kid, and... Uh, if you want a game to watch where you're like, I just want to scout a quarterback, this one or Liberty Ole Miss are the two games where like these are two potential NFL quarterbacks. So it'll be really, really fun to watch. And the way they play um, will affect their standing with the NFL draft. So uh, keep your eye on Jay Kaner. Keep your eye on Malik Willis. Two fun quarterbacks to watch this weekend in college football. Let's talk about the NFL. NFL time. Uh, We have reached NFL Week 9. There are 10 games I'm really excited to watch. Basically, every game uh, this weekend in the NFL is really good. There's like three I'm not talking about, but, man, it's a – if you want storylines, this weekend has so many great storylines in the NFL. Number one is this, the Browns at the Bengals, the Battle of Ohio. Likely, the Cleveland Browns will be playing without Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and remember, you know – Browns Bengals had two great games last year as well. Baker Mayfield versus Joe Burrow. Uh, I think the Browns lose this game. I think, I think Cincy, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, I think they win this football game, but I just, it's always been interesting between these two teams. And especially in recent years, last year with Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, I think we're in for a fun, interesting battle that the Bengals win. Game number two, the Texans at the Dolphins, both teams are one and seven. Uh, these two teams, I think, were trying to figure out a trade for, like, the last couple weeks. The the Dolphins were heavily pursuing Deshaun Watson. And uh, I don't know. I, I want to watch Tua, the Dolphins' young quarterback. He's a second-year quarterback. There's been news for weeks and weeks and weeks that Miami's been trying to replace him with Deshaun Watson. That didn't work. And so now that he's free to just, okay, I'm not getting replaced. I'm at least here for the rest of this year. Does he play more free? Does he play better? I don't know. I hate the play calling. I hate the play design in Miami with their offense, but uh, I'm really still interested to see how does Tua play against Houston this weekend. Game number three, the Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, The reason to watch this game and keep your eye on this game is that the New Orleans Saints lost their starting quarterback, Jameis Winston, last weekend. He tore his ACL. And so this weekend... Just the quarterback battle, the quarterback room and situation in general is kind of up in the air with New Orleans. And do they play Trevor Simeon? Do they play Taysom Hill? How does whatever quarterback they play do? And what happens there? Keep your eye on the quarterback situation between the Falcons and the Saints. What happens with New Orleans and their quarterback? Number four, the Raiders at the Giants. Uh, the Raiders have been through a lot, man. They lost their head coach. They had a star receiver, uh, Henry Ruggs, get in a car accident and get a DUI and kill someone in that accident, a fatal car accident. 
So he's in jail. Um, and how do you respond to that? Like, what happens here? I, I would imagine that this is too much to overcome. I, I can't imagine a world where the Raiders don't fold just because I, the emotional, losing your head coach and losing a player that way, I think the emotion is going to be too hard. I, I don't expect the Raiders are five and two right now. They're at near the top of the AFC standings. I don't think that's going to stand. But we'll learn a lot with how they respond this weekend on the road against New York. Number five, you have the Patriots at the Panthers. First of all, can the Patriots, they're four and four now, can they make a playoff push? They are trying to make the wild card, basically. The Bills are too far ahead, but if the Patriots, who are four and four, can go on a run here, they have a real legitimate shot to make it into the AFC wild card, the final seventh spot there. And then it's also Stephon Gilmore, a stud corner for the Panthers, playing against his old team. He was once a defensive player of the year. Literally, I think 2019 is when he won it. So two years ago now? Two years ago, this guy was defensive player of the year. This year, the Patriots traded him away for almost nothing to Carolina. And so it's Stephon Gilmore playing against his former team, I would think, wanting revenge on them, you know, not handling his injury the way he wanted and not wanting to keep him, just getting rid of him. I would be like, hey, I want revenge against my old team. Also, it's Sam Darnold, the Panthers' young quarterback, against Bill Belichick. Sam Darnold played for the Jets for a couple of years, since 2018. This is his first year in Carolina. So from 2018, 2019, and 2020, he played against Bill Belichick twice a year, every year. In fact, he was the coach that made him you know, give that quote, I'm seeing ghosts. He was playing against the Patriots in that game. So... Um, it's Sam Darnold once again against his least favorite coach to play against Bill Belichick because he disguises defenses. He's hard to play against. And I'm really interested to see how does Sam Darnold do against Belichick's defense. Game number six, the Vikings at the Ravens. Man, is Minnesota going to lose again? They lost on Sunday night football to Cooper Rush. The, Dallas Cowboys backup quarterback. It's a painful, brutal, ugly, embarrassing loss. And I think they're three and five now. I believe that's accurate. And man, um, to go three and six, uh, they might even fire the coach if that happens. It's really, really bad right now in Minnesota. And uh, I think part of the problem, we'll get into it more and ask Zach later down the road, but part of the problem with the Vikings is not only that they're making mistakes, they're not very talented, the quarterback's very hit or miss, but also like, the organization as a whole is just not very aggressive. They didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. They were just very, very disappointing. And uh, I don't know. I, I think Minnesota's going to lose this game. And they're in bad shape if they lose this game. And their, their record's terrible. The year hasn't gone well. The, the Kirk Cousins experiment will have failed completely. I'll probably make a video about that. And uh, it's just sad. I mean, Minnesota's in bad shape right now. If they, and they probably are going to lose again on the road at Baltimore. Game number seven, the Packers at Kansas City against the Chiefs. Jordan Love is starting this game for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers got COVID. He's out. Uh, more drama there than I just mentioned, but I'm not going to get into it. I don't, it's not even, I don't even care about all that. I'm like, I, I love football, not vaccination stuff. Um, I kind of wonder, was Kansas City handed a gift? Like Kansas City, the, the Chiefs had a, I had a tough schedule to finish out the year. And to kind of be handed a great scenario against a team that is at the top of their division, a really good playoff team, the Packers, I mean, this might be the break the Chiefs need to help them 
get from eight and eight or eight and nine to nine and eight and maybe make a playoff push. I mean, this is a huge advantage for Kansas City. And then what if Jordan Love plays great? I mean, that's another thing we haven't thought about is no one really knows what to expect from Jordan Love. He's presumably the future franchise quarterback in Green Bay. And uh, I'm really curious, like, how does he play um, in this game? It's a fun opportunity to evaluate him and his progress as an NFL quarterback. Number eight, the Cardinals at the 49ers. Um, Here's the story. Kyler Murray, the Arizona quarterback, has not practiced all week, and he's questionable. He may or may not play. That's a huge deal. The Cardinals are uh, 7-1 right now. They need Kyler Murray to play in this game, and if he doesn't, uh, that'd be a big, big blow to their season and uh, to their record. I would imagine they lose without him. Number nine, uh, the 6-2 and two Tennessee Titans play on the road at the 7-1 and one LA Rams. It's Sunday Night Football. Here's the story. Like it's it's first of all on paper it's a great matchup of two really good football teams. But I am concerned because the Titans' passing game without Derrick Henry is a big big question mark. Derrick Henry, the star running back for Tennessee, is out. He got hurt. He might be out for the rest of the year. How does the Tennessee passing game do without play action from Derrick Henry? Like, you have Adrian Peterson, that's fine, but that's not the same. And I just wonder, can the Tennessee Titans win throwing the football against LA Rams? And maybe maybe Adrian Peterson has like 200 yards rushing, and I'm just totally wrong. I don't know, but all the pressure's on Tennessee here. The Rams, I think, are going to win this game. And the question is, how do the Titans play? Like, what happens here? How does their offense play? And However, they like if the Titans lose by three points and they, they throw the ball really well and they, they challenge the Rams, then I'll go, okay, they're probably going to be fine the rest of the year. But if they have a bad performance and they can't throw the ball and they get stifled on in the running game, and that's a big problem that keep your eye on how Tennessee plays this week. And that could be a canary in the coal mine for how the rest of the year is going to go for Tennessee. And finally, game number 10, the Bears at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm only talking about this because it's Monday Night Football. So it's going to be a national t- televised game. We'll talk about it. It'll be fun. Like, for sure, I'll watch it and break it down. But, uh, I mean, I don't – it's like the second to last um, Monday Night Football game. They play later in the year, the Steelers do, against the Browns. So it's the second to last game likely Big Ben will ever play on Monday night. That's potentially interesting. Unless – I guess there's a playoff game, I think, this year in Monday Night Football too. So maybe he gets that. I don't I, – that's a question for another day. But the real thing to watch for in this game is the Bears rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. I love this guy. I think that Broncos fans are so in denial. I keep saying Denver should have drafted him. And Denver fans are like, oh, he's having a bad year. Like, no, he's a rookie quarterback. He's not perfect, but I'm really excited to watch him play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And his ability to run around and extend plays is like no other. He had a great run last weekend where on fourth down, you know, he, he... I just he made a big play and ran for a touchdown that you did not expect. And so I Monday night, the storyline here is gonna be getting an opportunity for the national audience to see Justin Fields play for the first time on national. It'd just be really fun and exciting. And so Justin Fields against the Steelers is a storyline here on Monday night football. Okay, y'all. Uh it is time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. In case you do not know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. 
it literally helps pay my rent. A uh, dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. If you do not submit, a, if you if you submit a question on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read it on the show. My only guarantee is I'll look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple uh, and read them at the end of the show. Um, we're, we're kind of having a problem here with Patreon. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. So I, I, I apologize in advance if I offend anybody. I want to solve a problem here. I, I've noticed on Patreon, people often write in about stuff that I'm already going to talk about. Like, uh, you know, I do the noteworthy, whatever the noteworthy every week. Like I'll do NFL week 10 or NFL week nine, the noteworthy blank. And so for sure, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about probably all the big storylines but the first episode I record every week. And so often people write in about the big storylines and I'm like, should I read them? Maybe that's what it is. I read more Patreon questions throughout the show. Like as I talk about the Vikings losing to the Cowboys, I find the question about it and read it there. And, and maybe I need to integrate. I think that's as I talk it through with myself, that's probably the answer is I need to integrate Patreon questions better into the regular show rather than only reading questions during Ask Zach. So um, I'm, I only have one, two, three, four, five, six questions to read here. I got way more write-ins, but all the stuff that people wrote in about on Patreon, I'd already covered. And I'm like, I, I had a problem. I sat this week. I'm like, how do I, how do I answer these questions? Like, how do I not, how do I acknowledge the questions people wrote in, even though I already covered all this stuff in a different episode? So, uh, maybe what I need to do is just integrate instead of only reading questions on Ask Zach, yeah, questions from Patreon on the Ask Zach during the Ask Zach specific segment. So instead of only reading questions at this one special time at the end of an episode, I should probably do a, be more flexible about reading questions throughout the episode. And and that's the answer right there. So letting you guys, I want to have an open dialogue with the audience. I feel bad. Like I'm not reading enough Patreon questions, but that's kind of the root of the problem and, and why I haven't been reading as many as I'd like to um, during Ask Zach. So question number one, uh, and I want to say this. I, I already feel uncomfortable. I shared my experience about um, driving under the influence. And I, I feel horrible about that. I want to be clear. And I, I already am afraid that by opening up um, that dark past from my life, I'm going to get a lot of hate. And I, I that sucks. I don't, I don't want that. Um, and I want people to know that's not who I am now, obviously. Uh, but I was in a dark place. I mean, my brother committed suicide, and I was really, really dark. And I, I tried to share that because I want people to know, like, don't do what I did. Please do not do what I did. And do not drive drunk. And um, don't put yourself and others in harm's way. So um, I knew a guy who got – I worked at a car wash. And a guy I worked with at the car wash got a DUI. And he wrapped himself around a tree and didn't hit anyone. Just all he did was hit a tree in the forest. Got a big DUI. It ruined his life. He couldn't drive. I think for like, I think it was a year he couldn't drive. It might have been two years, but I think it was for sure a year he couldn't drive. And he had to pay a ton of money. Like he had to make monthly payments because the amount of money he owed for the fine was so much. And uh, this, uh, you don't want to drive drunk, e even if you don't care about other people, which hopefully you're like, I don't want to hurt other people. But even if you don't care about that, it'll ruin your life too, financially, physically. Like you won't be able to get anywhere. Uh, better buy a bike. Like, I mean, seriously, it, it, don't mess with drunk driving. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And do not, do not do it. Okay, Brandon writes in. 
Brandon says, Hi, Zach. Calvin Ridley has missed his second week of football uh, due to personal reasons, but has now come out. Uh, but Okay, I'm going to reread this. Hi, Zach. So Brandon writes in, Hi, Zach. Calvin Ridley has missed his second week of football due to personal reasons, but now it has come out to be from mental health, which is likely... Uh, it's likely to be, he's likely to miss a, so this is a really poorly worded question, no offense, Brandon. He's saying, like, he's out for personal reasons. We've learned it's due to mental health problems, and he's likely to miss the rest of the year Calvin Ridley is. What are your thoughts of this as a fan, as a person, and as a manager of a football team? Also, how was your Halloween? Did you dress up? Much love, and thank you for the awesome content. Brandon, I, I don't like Halloween. I feel bad about that. I wanted to do like a, we do a, another podcast, my fiance and I called Flawed Humans. And we talked about maybe doing a Halloween episode. And the reality is I just hate Halloween. And so I would all I would do is like say, I hate dressing up. I, I hate going door to door, getting candy. If you want candy, just buy yourself some dang candy. Like, why do we need to go to other people's houses to get it? It's very creepy and weird to me. I don't like Halloween. I'm a Grinch. I hate Halloween. Um, on this stuff, Brandon, about Calvin Ridley. I, I didn't know he was potentially going to miss the rest of the year. I thought he was going to miss a couple weeks and come back. Uh, we've seen other NFL players do that. And it's made me uneasy to see NFL players say, I'm, I'm having trouble with mental health. I'm going to leave the game. But then also, I, I did that. Like, literally last week, I was having a really hard time. And it's not convenient. I'm in the middle of football season, my most busy, most difficult time during the year to cover football and cover sports. And... uh I just was like, my head's not right. I got to take time off. And I realized like, man, it's better for me to take time off and take care of myself and make sure I'm making good content than to drive myself into the ground and make bad. Like I could have recorded an episode last week. It would have been terrible. And I know no one. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put my reputation on the line. I also don't want to make bad content for you guys. So if you're not able to perform, whether it's convenient or not, you got to take care of yourself. And, uh, that's kind of how I feel about that, man. Like I, it sucks. I feel bad for the team who has a player who they're really excited about, who's got a ton of talent, who they want to see do well, who feels like he can't perform. But I mean, mental health is becoming a more and more, um, I think a lot of people, when you talk about mental health, they go, Oh, they're like gut reactions. That's soft. And mental health is this buzzword that we use. I just think if your mind, the better way to put it is like, screw mental health. That, that's a term that I think turns some people off. It's like, if your head isn't right and you're all over the place, you're doubting yourself, you're depressed, you're not feeling very good, you can't engage with anything, you can't do, like, it, sorry, you're not going to perform well. I mean, I, and if you have the ability, uh, most people, I can't take the rest of the year off. I can't, I can't even, whether I wanted to or not, I can't afford it, right? I have to make content or else I, I go broke and can't pay my rent. Thankfully, I feel like I got through what I was going through, but Calvin Ridley financially can't afford to take the rest of the year off, I guess. And so um, good for him. And I, I hope he figures that out, man. I, I Look, depression, all that stuff, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And you can't really explain it unless you've been through it. And so, or even understand it, let alone, I can't even describe it really, but I can tell you how awful it is and... Uh, I just feel for Calvin Ridley because there's no good answer there. It's just a painful, awful thing that he's got to figure out and get his head right for himself. And I don't think he'd be able to perform without getting his head right first. Okay, Nevin writes in. It's a long one. He says, hey, Zach, I love your show. It helps me get through my work day, so thank you for that. Anyways, I'm a huge SC fan, 
and you've mentioned it, Keaton Slovis a few times and even had him on for an interview. Before the year started, he was viewed as a potential first-round pick. And a couple of years ago, he's even viewed as a potential number one overall pick. This year has been an absolute mess. He lost his head coach. His offensive line is almost non-existent. And now he's splitting in-game reps with his backup, who looks really good, by the way, uh, Jackson Dart. Oh, and he also lost Drake London, who's been an absolute monster all year. What are your thoughts on him and his future? Should he transfer and play another year? Should he skip the last year and enter the draft? A lot of SC fans have turned their backs on him, but I still believe he can be a great NFL quarterback, especially now since he's most likely going to be a later round pick. So he'll go to a better team with the better pieces around him. I apologize if this may be way too long. As you can tell, this is something I'm passionate about. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. So it's definitely an interesting conversation. Should he be, should he go to the NFL as a late round pick and just be like, Hey, I'm at a good, the thing is, you can still go in the seventh round to Jacksonville, right? Like going later in the draft doesn't necessarily mean you'll go to a better football team. Um, I mean, maybe he's a Russell Wilson type where he's a third round pick who does really well, plays immediately. I don't know. Um, my advice for Keaton Slovis, man, would be you got this really talented quarterback, Jackson Dart, behind you. And I love Keaton, man, but Keaton's talents are not his physical. Like he's he's physically talented, but... He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. And you got a guy like Jackson Dart who blows people away physically. And with a new coach coming, I, I fear that Keaton's going to lose his job. And I, I hate saying that. I lo- Keaton, I love you, man. One of my favorite people in the world, let alone quarterbacks. And um, I don't think transferring is a sign of weakness. I don't think if you have to transfer because there's a guy behind you who a coaching staff really, really likes. Like, does that mean you can't play in the NFL? No. Uh, Justin Fields had a transfer out of Georgia to get on the field because Jake Fromm was keeping him from getting on the field. So um, Keaton Slovis can absolutely transfer from SC to another football team, get playing time, and go to the NFL. And that's what he's got to do. Keaton's got to prioritize whatever will get him on the field playing in games, not only from an NFL standpoint, but also like how do you want to live your life? No offense, but do you want to live your life on the sideline not playing football? That sounds terrible. So I kind of find myself, and I haven't talked to Keaton about this, so don't, do not assume I'm coming from his perspective. No, I haven't. I, I don't have any idea what he's thinking. I sent him a brief text when uh, the coach got fired, and I was like, hey, I'm sorry, that's brutal to go through. And that's it. That's all we've talked, like, the entire season. I leave him alone. He's, he's busy doing football. I'm not going to talk to Keaton Slovis right now. But if I were advising him, I'd say, man, like, go to Fresno State. Go somewhere where you can get on the field and get playing time. A, that's going to help your NFL draft stock. But B, like, you're going to have fun. Go play. You don't want to split reps. You don't want to not be wanted. You don't want to be a backup. Like, go somewhere where you're wanted, where they see the value in you, and go win somewhere else. Because it's fun to win football games, and it's fun to play. It's not really fun to sit on the bench. So that's my advice for Keaton Slovis if he's listening out there. Alex writes in, he says, Hey, Zach, huge Vikings fan here. After, after the ugly loss to the Cowboys, it seems like all the fans are calling for Mike Zimmer's job. I know you have said he might be on the hot seat, but praise his ability, praise his elite defensive play calling. What do you think the Vikings should do? And if they decide to part ways with Zimmer, who is a quality replacement in Minnesota? Love the pod. Um, so, yeah, I like. I think Mike Zimmer's done. I think the... 
Quarterback's done. I think they got to reset a lot of stuff in Minnesota. Now, is that what I would do? I don't know. I think that's what's going to happen, though. I think the ownership's impatient, tired of losing. They brought in Kirk Cousins for uh, hoping he would be the final piece of a Super Bowl run, and that hasn't happened at all. So uh, I think part of the problem with Minnesota, though, is not just the coaching, not just the quarterback. It's the mentality of their organization. They're not very aggressive. Like, they really aren't. I mean, they, they make... They sign a lot of veterans. They they make a bunch of like kind of low level signings, but they haven't worked. I mean, everyone is the the Vikings roster was something people were really excited about during the preseason. They're like, oh, our team brought in this guy from 2010 and this guy from 2005 and this guy from 2006 and a bunch of old veterans who came in and haven't worked. So like, I'm sorry that um, to say that, but. The Vikings aren't a good football team. Minnesota's a bad football team right now. And the signings, the guys they brought in aren't working. And they didn't make a move at the trade deadline. They're kind of dragging their feet. They're complacent. They're happy just being, like, mediocre. And that's sad, but that's true. Uh, and I, I would love to see them hire a new—I mean, they, they got Mike Zimmer, a defensive head coach. If you're going to fire Mike Zimmer, bring in an offensive coach to build your offense and— uh, I just I want to see a change in Minnesota. I like Mike. I feel bad because I like Mike Zimmer, but it's not working with him. Uh, and you got to make him. But you can't do the same thing over and over. You have to make a change. And the change I would make would be at least Mike Zimmer. I think you're stuck with Kirk for at least another year. But in my head, I'd be like, Kirk is on the way out, and we're getting a new coach to coach the offense. And we're going to figure out what's our quarterback situation after Kirk Cousins. Okay, Raphael writes in. He says, um. Hey, Zach, considering how the Dolphins season has gone so far and how the team has looked, disorganized, not knowing where to line up, etc., would you be willing to give Brian Flores and Chris Greer another chance next year? For me, it all comes down to how they now cater to Tua. I believe so far they've done little to nothing to make him feel comfortable and develop him. So if they can change that, I hope they'll get one more year. I don't know. I would at least fire the offensive coordinator. I think Chris Greer is a bad GM who's lazy, who would rather get rid of Tua than solve the actual problems with the roster. The offensive line is bad. The defense is playing terrible. They don't have a playmaker, really, a receiver other than Jalen Wada, who's a slot. They have no one outside. Um, I I think the GM's got to go. He's wrong. Uh, Brian Flores did well last year. Hasn't worked this year. And I think part of why Brian Flores should go is because he's a defensive head coach. And you need a coach who can connect, who can connect with your quarterback. I mean, you have a young quarterback who needs help. And I don't think that Brian Flores, defensive head coaches really, really struggle to help develop young quarterbacks. It just doesn't happen. Brandon Staley's like an anomaly in L.A. He's a defensive coach, but he also played quarterback in college. So that's a bit of an exception there. Um, and that's the Chargers head coach coaching Justin Herbert, by the way. So I, I don't think you need a defensive co- head coach. You need an offensive head coach. You can relate to your quarterback, maybe Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City. Uh, but get someone who can help build up Tua and develop Tua. And really, the play calling has been, not only the play calling, the whole the offense in general, the play design. It hasn't catered to Tua's strengths at all. It hasn't helped him at all. There's, they've done him no favors getting him easy completions. I just don't get what Miami's been doing in offense. They're just not building around Tua. Why would you draft a guy 
if you're not going to build an offense to work for him. Makes no sense to me. And I don't I don't even know why I made me draft why did Miami draft him if they're not going to use him properly? I don't get it. So I, I hate what Miami's done with Tua and they need a head coach who can help him and uh help him succeed. Patty Nuts twenty two writes in, he says, Hey Zach, big Michigan football fan here, so it was a brutal weekend for me. Uh they lost to Michigan State. With that being said, by the way, they're up thirty to fourteen and lost awful. With that being said, I know you were anticipating this game between Michigan and Michigan State, so I'm assuming you watched it and got the same feeling I did. Michigan should have won this game and lost due to poor decision-making and lack of execution in critical moments. To me, this falls on Coach Harbaugh, who now has a 2-13 and record against top 10 teams and a 3-9 and combined record against their top two biggest rivals, Ohio State and Michigan State. With all that being said, if Michigan falls to Ohio State this year, do you think Harbaugh should be fired? If so... Do you think his coaching career is over? Thanks, Zach. Um, whoa, 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 Patty Nuts, slow down. Uh, think about this. If you fire Jim Harbaugh, what's next? Who do you hire to replace him? Is that really a world where Michigan does better than what they're currently doing at Jim Harbaugh? And maybe there is. And if there is, go get that. But are you willing to risk losing 9 to 10 games a year for a coach who may suck? I don't know. I am I mean, is it just that Michigan has a hard time in the Big Ten because they, they have higher academic standards than Ohio State? I'm sure that plays a part. I mean, look, they are – they're not – they didn't look well coached against Michigan State. I can't, I can't even lie to you and say that. But are you willing to risk losing to fire Harbaugh? Like, if you fire Harbaugh, there's no guarantees after that. And what I can tell you is, if you keep Jim Harbaugh, I guarantee he's going to win 9 to 10 games the next couple of years every year. Isn't that enough? Like, what Michigan has to ask themselves, what do you really want? What is it? What do you, what do you want? Instead of Jim Harbaugh, what do you actually want? Do you want a team that goes to the college football playoff? Do you want to win Big, big Ten titles? Probably. But if you want that... What coach can pull that off? I, I don't know. I, I think Michigan may just be a limited program that can't pull that off. And so um, go ahead and fire Jim Harbaugh if you want, but realize the risk you're taking because if you fire Jim Harbaugh and get a coach you can't pull it off, you're going to take a step backward. from a, a. You're in a good place, not great, but you're winning games, you're relevant nationally, you're in bowl games. Like That might be enough for Michigan. And unless you're willing to take a step backward, do not hire a new head coach who might not be as good as Jim Harbaugh. Like this, It's a risk-reward thing, and if you're not willing to take the risk, do not take the risk of firing Jim Harbaugh. Okay, final question of the day is from Andrew. He says, Hey, Zach, long-time listener, and I've been a supporter on Patreon for about a year as well. I wanted to say, as a fan of the show, thank you for the great content and never apologize for taking a break, my friend. On a side note, I was pleased to hear you watch Attack on Titan last weekend. It is my favorite anime of all time. Who is your favorite character in the show? Mine is Captain Levi. Thanks. Keep up the great work. He says just Levi. Uh, Captain Levi is a great character. He's so, like... Um, and I, Maybe spoiler alert for Attack on Titan. I don't think I'm going to spoil Attack on Titan, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, I love Captain Levi. Mikasa is really interesting. Armin's really fun. I really like the dynamic between Mikasa, Armin, and 
Aaron Yeager. And it's kind of sad in season four, their friendship isn't there. And it, it ruined the show for me. I'm like, I, I hate this. Like they're, it was always fun because it was them against the world. And now it's them against Aaron kind of, and it's like, it's not fun. I don't like that. Um, I'm kind of, I view attack on Titan now, like game of Thrones. I know we're not going to get a good ending. I know that like whatever happens to end this show, it's not going to be happy. There's no way. And I just don't see it. Like, I'd love to see Mikasa and Aaron ride off into the sunset, have a family together. I don't know if that would be, it's not, it's not even possible. I don't know, but that would be fun, right? We're not going to get that. We're not going to get John Stowe and Khaleesi riding off on a dragon. Of course, one of them has to kill each other and be all sad. And I think it's going to be an ending like that. Um, but I, Captain Levi's great. I really like um, oh, the bread girl. What's her name? Sasha, who, who loves food. Uh, she's kind of a mood. I like her. Um, I really like the, I'm a a heavy spoiler now in season four, they changed the perspective of the show. So you kind of, for a long time, see the enemy side. And I really like that. I really like Bertolt. I really like, um, I really like the, the storyline there of, of him. And we see Zeke a little bit and kind of, I just, I really like seeing the other perspectives. Like you have this whole war. And for the first time, you like start a season basically telling the story of the enemy, humanizing the enemy. And it's really good. It's really interesting. Um, so even though I don't like how it's gone, like season four, I watched it. I didn't like where the turn it took from the rest of the show so far, but um, certainly it was good storytelling. It was interesting. Convoluted a little bit, like way too much politics, but still a good show. Guys, that is all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Let me double check, see if there's not more Odell Beckham Jr. news before I go. So, Odell. Odell Beckham Jr. Um, So far, there's no nothing. Browns, yeah, it's, it's just the Browns are going to release Odell Beckham Jr. There's no, like, new. It's all just going to, going to. Um, I know Dell is tweeting about like, I don't even know some, something that's not football related and not bad. Just like, it's like video games or something. I'm like, okay, great. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, I have no idea. It's kind of sad. I I was hoping for like, he got released and we can talk about it, but no definitive news so far. And, uh, Yep, and no other. It looks like there's no other stuff going on in the sports world. Got an F1 race this weekend. Got a bunch of college football. It'll be really, really fun. NFL's going to be fantastic. Uh, once again, man, I want to say I, I'm uncomfortable with. I shared a really personal detail of my life, which is to tell you that I used to, uh, I used to drink cheap whiskey and get into a car. I was really depressed. I, I was having a hard time, and that's a real story. Like I, I don't like saying that. I don't like owning that part of my life. I think if you watched me, I think I would shock a lot of people. Cause I think I'm a pretty kind of boring straight laced dude. Now, uh, I was in the darkest place in my life and I, I just always have a heart for people who are struggling. I, I totally get it. I've been there, man. Uh, if you're having a hard time, go get help. Do not drive drunk. Do not do it. You might, it's just awful. It's so sad. And, uh, that's all I have, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. Bam, bam, bam. We are.